Hello there and welcome to the Tunes from Dublin podcast, an Irish traditional music interview series presented by myself, Charles Mono, and featuring guests from County Clare and beyond who come and visit us here in Dublin. On each episode of the show, we are guided by tunes picked and played by our guests, and we talk about various topics related to traditional music, such as sources of inspiration, repertoire, style, memories, and much, much more. If you'd like to support this podcast and the Tunes from Doolin project in general, you can head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash tunesfromdoolin, where you can sign up and choose a support level that you can sustain. It doesn't have to be much. Even a cup of coffee per month really goes a long way. The link is in the show notes. Thank you so much for your support. Our guest for this episode is Alan Reed, great banjo player from County Leitrim who moved to North Clare a few years ago. Hope you enjoy our tunes and chat and make sure to stick around till the end to know more about Alan, his music and various projects. Enjoy. Tune. Thanks a million, Alan. No bother. Welcome, welcome to Dooland. Thank you. Um, you are uh, played the banjo today, but you play many, many other instruments. Uh, what did you just play for us? Uh, I played two jigs uh, that I composed during, I suppose, the first lockdown in uh, 2020. The first one is called Fish and Chips at Finnevara, and the second one is called Turn at Dooney Varden. So they kind of date from the time when we were quite confined to our own localities um so was hanging around with my wife and a toddler all the time so them two tunes happened they're actually they're they're local new compositions local yeah yeah burn tunes burn tunes but you're not from uh the burn originally no i'm from north leitrim i'm from a place called Kalergi, which is in uh the parish of drum hair i would have went to school in drum so I left there at 17 to go to college in the University of Limerick and been kind of around Limerick for a while. And then I moved to the Burren six years ago. Nice, nice. You obviously like it. Yeah. Um, before we talk more about the Burren and things, I'd be quite interested to hear about your years uh, in Limerick because you obviously when you left home, you were very young. Yeah. And did you move down? Uh, was it music related college? Yeah, I did the BA in Irish Music and Dance, so um, 
it was music was kind of all I'd wanted to do. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with it, but I knew it involved music in the end. Um, so I did that course and then I did the MA in Irish traditional music performance as well. Um, kind of way straight straight away after that but um so yeah that was kind of the plan well the plan went well yeah um and were you playing the banjo at that time or because i mean i know you play uh, banjo buzuki mandolin uh the bauron and i'm pretty sure you play other things anything with strings probably but um what did you start on or what's um so i i started playing baron when i was about nine and then i picked up whistle and harmonica when i was about 10 or 11 and was kind of messing around on them i got a banjo when i was about 12 i think um and that's what i would have been playing when i was in college um i i'd yet to uh get a bazooki i got a bazooki maybe around third year of college um, so I'm playing that since and probably like at least around here for the pub gigs and stuff I probably play more bazooki than anything else but banjo and bazooki would be probably my main t- what I'd consider my main two instruments okay cool um, and college so that was four years in the BA followed by another year in the masters can you tell us a bit about that time and how it was and um, yeah yeah it was great You, you we were like it was I suppose it was more to be, I think what I was kind of excited for was to to be around other people who wanted to play music. And in the end, that's the biggest advantage of going there was the other people that you meet who were doing the same thing so you could collaborate and learn from and stuff. So um, yeah, there was the first two years were in Limerick, third year involved going to Sweden for six months and doing work experience and then going to Cape Breton in Canada for six months to do an international exchange so third year was a great probably what i remember most about the ba at least mm-hmm. was the time i wasn't in limerick and um, just adventuring playing other music Um, back then in limerick for fourth year and then i did the ma as well so yeah it's very interesting because i uh, you know when I just finished the course there, I think the the BAs that I knew they didn't get that chance because of COVID to do the the international yeah. travel and the fact that you mentioned those trips abroad, um, it's a good transition actually because I wanted to ask you what kind of music you play apart from Irish music. You I know that you know tunes from a lot of different places. So yeah, I don't. I, what kind of was that the start of your interest in other music? Um, no I've just always been in whatever I like the sound of I will kind of listen to and pursue like I'd I'd know a lot of Swedish tunes whether or not I can kind of do them justice or play them any way appropriately Um, but I did learn loads of um, that kind of thing Uh, loads of Cape Breton tunes as well Cape Breton and Irish music have a bit of an overlap anyway I wouldn't say they're so far away stylistically or historically um so i play a good bit of that i'm you know i'm i re- i listen to a lot of macedonian and bulgarian music at, I, at one stage in college i was listening to um instrumental arabic music for a good year or two as the main thing i was listening to um so and i've always liked you know the likes of metal and a lot of electronic music and stuff so i've always been li- i listen to music a lot a lot of different kind of things um kind of open to any genre having something good in it um uh i i do believe there are some genres that are that, that are don't exceptional have anything good in them <laughs> um <laughs> we want names we want names. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah it's it's really interesting and how do you find that certain genre influence your playing of irish music more than others or do you kind of get inspirations maybe in the tunes you compose or yeah like i think maybe when i was in college and when i was composing i was probably composing with more a kind of progressive or um experimental kind of framework in my head as i don't really like many of the tunes i composed at that time but i think uh, it was just that i had these ideas in my head and i had to get rid of them so like i would have wrote things influenced by swedish music and things like that um but i think 
with learning that other type of music or at least being in an environment where you're like immersed in a place where the folk tradition of that area is not your own like this well or isn't irish music you, you like when you play irish tenor banjo when you're in sweden and everyone plays fiddle and there's a lot of long notes and stuff it it certainly is good for technique to try and just hold your own and so quite, it de- quite the challenge basically. yeah yeah there was a lot of challenge and like i don't think irish tenor banjo is particularly suited for playing a lot of the slower swedish polskas but the the act of kind of having to play them every week in you know uh social settings in sweden definitely helped me uh skill wise i would say nice um i'd love to ask you a few more things about uh composing tunes but um do you want maybe to play another set of tunes for us sure first one was the Gosnu Bedis Father it's a single reel I think is it um, Jack Maguire Sean Maguire the fiddle player his father is the source of that one I, I think I originally learned it off a Danu album which would have been one of the first <laughs> he's the one who was beating his father so. yeah maybe I like it's I think it's thought that some of the stranger tunes in his repertoire he's the source for several ones I think um, nice there's a there, I think I presume maybe he made them up um Uh, and then i made the second one up that's called flory hollerin after one of my most colorful ancestors and uh, the last one i think it has a scots gaelic name that translates to mackerel and tatties but um i intended on playing a cape breton tune at the end but it had the same first phrase and i ended up going into that one and sticking with it but we used to play that one when 
I was studying abroad in Cape Breton anyway because there was plenty of uh, Scottish pipes around and it fits on that. So well, that's fine. So, sound, sounds great anyway. Uh, well, I great uh, that you actually played a tune of your own again, that second one, because I wanted to ask you more about composition. But now I have a more specific question. What about this ancestor? This oh, So I got really into um, d- doing my family tree uh, a few years ago because nothing was known really on on my father's side of the family um, other than that Scotland was involved and several of my aunts nearly all my ancestors on that side of the family came from Mayo North Mayo in the and they left in the famine and uh, several of them were we we have more information on several of them because they were arrested several times Uh, and he was arrested (laughs) a few times but a a lot of times it seems that they they were just being arrested for having no homes and uh, stuff but we have the most detail about him and he seemed to be quite the most troublesome um the one with the longest criminal record yeah he ended (laughs) up uh, living in a place called yet home in the scottish borders which is now famous for being the kind of the it's a very popular place for the english and scottish romany gypsy and traveler communities it's thought that he was able to live there um uh, because he was kind of on the margins of society in every other town he could move in there and they he could kind of live alongside them for a while um but he was uh he he although living through the family he died in his mid 80s which oh, well, yeah. again seems Sounds larger like than life <laughs> quite quite the character and definitely yeah. uh deserves a tune I suppose. Yeah. yeah nice um so you said like you've been obviously composing tunes for a long time since uh your early days in college, you were singing music yeah. by other types of music. How did you get into composing tunes? And uh, would have just always been making up stuff when practicing on the banjo. Would have I would have composed tunes in school as well. Uh, I would have recorded them, you know, on voice recorder on the phone. I can't remember really any that I recorded back then, but um, some of the earlier ones in college would have kind of survived but most of them like i found uh sheet music of some of them and i'd i wouldn't be that into them but i think the way it works for me is if i have some kind of an idea in my head either i'm hearing something or there's something interesting you know harmonically or melodically i want to develop on uh, i have to kind of finish the idea okay before i can do something else even if the idea even, even if the idea doesn't really like excite me anymore if i can't i kind of have to just put them to bed yes uh, so it kind of yeah, it makes sense it, i suppose it kind of starts with a small bit of, of a tune of that idea yeah and then you just expand from it and kind of yeah. make it a whole yeah like the flurry holleran one there i was um at the time i composed that i was looking into a lot of the older scottish collections of tunes and I was kind of noticing something that was in some of them that I found very interesting. And I was also listening to a lot of field recordings of the whistle player, uh, Jim Donahue, And he was doing something that was kind of similar. Um, so I had this kind of link between the uh, late 18th century, early 19th century Scottish collections that I was kind of obsessed about. And the when I was transcribing the Jim Donahue stuff so I decided to write a tune that kind of developed the kind of it's kind of they're tonally ambiguous and maybe very modal ideas um that I had at the time so I came out with that one and because Flory is kind of he's uh existed in around the time of a lot of the books that I was um looking at the manuscripts i decided to stick his name on it and because uh-huh. of the the north connacht scottish link as well yeah. it seemed to 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 work as a name because naming them usually i've tunes and they i i until i have to use them for something i don't put a name on them a lot of the time okay. yeah yeah that's that's interesting so you, it's not like because uh, some of the composers i typically I'd be thinking of the likes of junior Korean. let's say they would it's, it feels at time that the name or the, the actual subject of the tune is the source of inspiration. Yeah. When we start musically and you name them after. 
Yeah, like sometimes, like the 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 first jig I played earlier, the fish and chips at Vinavara, I was eating fish and chips at Vinavara when the first part of that kind of just crept into my head, uh-huh. um, and I think I finished it that night. Later on, I kind of, I think I hummed it into my phone or something, yeah, um, to remember the, uh, the, the phrase, yeah, and yeah. and I think I don't write, I didn't, ha- I don't have a lot of great success writing in strictly major uh keys or at least i don't keep a lot of the tunes that i've written mm-hmm. in major keys so was, at the time i was kind of excited i was i was happy with the first part so i was kind of driven to finish it off the same day yeah all right sounds great i was i was telling you before we, we started the recording that this like other tune that you've come with i really enjoy um but since you're talking about the fish and chips at Finavara, um, so people might not know where Finavara is. That's uh, here in. Uh, is it already in County Galway? Is it still North Clare? It's just I'm, before the border, is it? it? It's just before the border, I think. Yeah, so it's a peninsula um, at the very, very north of Clare. As the crow flies, you'd be very close to Barna and Connemara yeah. in uh, Galway. But if you were to drive it, it would be an hour as you have to go for by land so it's, it's just a really beautiful place that i happen to live quite close to yeah. um and so what brought you to north Clare after the few years in limerick um what yeah what made you decide on moving over so my wife and i we wanted to move when we finished college we lived for a year in limerick still and it just was we just didn't like it while we were in college it seemed fine to put up with living in a uh, a town um it didn't suit a me city. at all city. a city yeah or in the suburbs of a city but i i'm from a very rural place um i'm used to making noise and not annoying other humans uh so we moved out to north tip for a while uh, north tipperary bird hill um it was nicer but i suppose there wasn't much there wasn't a whole lot of music there of course there was music around and um, so we decided we wanted to move to Clare originally we we're going to move somewhere outside of Ennis in the country um but we ended up on a whim we ch- checked out a house um in between Kilfenora, Listunvarn and Ballyvahan and we ended up uh, moving there instead and nice. we're still there and the first reason why you decided to look for Clare was actually music, that there would be more music yeah, on like, top of being outside of a town. Like, yeah, I knew that I was going to work in music. At the at that time, I was I was teaching music uh, more or less every day of the week. It was six full days of teaching anyway when I lived in Bird Hill, uh, between teaching in cultist branches and schools and in the university and at home. Uh, and I was even doing a bit of online teaching at the time. Uh, That's pre-COVID. Pre, yeah, yeah. and and uh, and and I was gigging a, a at night. Visionary, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was gigging at night as well. So it's t- and the odd time we'd be coming to Doolin or Spanish Point for gigs from Limerick. So I was like, well, it seems better to be on the Clare side of things. Um, I never got asked to do a, a gig in Tipperary, for instance, yeah. <laughs> with two years there. So we wanted to lived there just so that we were adjacent to all the musicy goings on so we ended up going to North Clare not really knowing what was up there apart from the existence of Doolin um, I didn't realise I was as close to Doolin as I was when I moved there either like I knew it would be yes. closer but I didn't realise it was only a 15 minute drive away um, which is was a great plus when I realised yeah, that ideal, ideal. <laughs> um, well it's great for us to um, have you and uh, Rachel here a uh, great addition to the music scene in Doolin. Um, what? So you said you did play in Doolin uh, sometimes beforehand. What's your first memories of Doolin? Um, it, just that there was a lot of tourists. I was only ever there at oh. night first. Um, just that the place was busy and that you'd... I kind of liked that you could just play tunes and everyone seemed happy with that. There wasn't any expectation for the person with the guitar to start singing acoustic pop covers which was yes which in some of the larger towns when you have irish music it's kind of expected that uh that that every few uh sets that 
the vibe will change and someone will start singing pop music on it. Uh, or, or if not pop music, they're going to whiskey in the jar. And, yeah, uh, maybe. But in, in, in Limerick City, I think it, it was... <laughs> pop songs. Yeah, like it seemed to always be for... Um, which which I don't mind them, but I I like them separate to the yeah to the trad. It's good that you picked that up very early. Uh, so you you didn't have you didn't come to Dublin before that. Like you really started coming when uh, yeah. for gigs. Yeah. Uh, no, so I'm glad I'm glad to hear you got that vibe that uh, in Dublin it was allowed to just play trad because I think it's what the village has been about for yeah fifty odd years. Yeah. Know? Yeah, like I was aware of Doolin. I'd heard of it, obviously. I'd heard of Michael Russell. And like the only thing I knew about Doolin was that there was a ferry to the Iron Islands and that there was music there. And it's now moving here, I still think they're kind of the two major things <laughs> that yeah. people who come here are looking for. Um, I, we were, I was laughing with a friend yesterday. I was telling her a story that a couple of weeks ago um, we were setting up for a gig in a one of the pubs here in Doolin and uh, a group of people came up and said is it just diddly d that you're going to play <laughs> or are you going to sing or something and i said it's just diddly d and uh, and they were they weren't impressed they they wanted to go somewhere else and i said you're going to get diddly d everywhere here so that's it they could go they can go to Lisbon, Vireland, especially september yeah yeah <laughs> i told them they should research a bit more uh the next time they go on holidays <laughs> yeah i think it, i think it's for people listening, uh, I know it's mostly musicians who listen to the podcast, but for people who also are interested in dueling in general, I think it's good to have the reminder that this is what this place is about. And and yes, from time to time, we were very lucky, for example, in Hotel Doolin uh, or Fiddle & Bow, they, they do put something different from time to time, but it's not mixed together. Like It's not trying to... Yes. You know, it would be a separate event. Yeah, uh, and I think I think that's important. Yeah, like the I think a lot of people go out to the pubs here to hear traditional music, and they will get it in at least one, but obviously several of the uh, pubs or venues every night. Um, and yeah, there's other stuff going on, but you know, we yeah. we we know what 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 people are here for. Yes, yeah. It, possibly it's even more for uh, locals as well. There's, there's something yeah. different every now and then. It's yeah. nice um, to listen to something different. Um, I suppose before we keep going, um, do you feel okay to play another set of tunes for us? Yeah, sure. Cool. Thank you. 
So, so nice, Alan. And I was just thinking it's a pleasure to hear you playing the banjo because as you were saying, like anytime we get a chance to play together, it's usually on bouzouki or guitar. So it's a real treat to have you on banjo here today. Um, any names? What were those tunes? They were three hop jigs. The first one is called The Black Rock. It's um, from a piping kind of tune book manuscript from the early 1800s. The second one is Cook and Andy. Particularly, it's the version that I learned off the recording of Elizabeth Cronin singing it. So it's modally kind of out there um, in terms of what notes it is um, from kind of the common version you might hear of that tune in sessions and the third one is what i think is the king of all hop jigs which is the boys of balasadere nice lovely and you're, you're always giving me the handing me over the transition on your silver platter because i want to ask you about two things um your tune book tuesday project but just before that like that Cook and Andy, that's the tune you recorded with uh, your wife Rachel on that lovely duet album, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we recorded that. I think I recorded it in a kind of lower key, but I've been playing it up and kind of a bit higher um, recently. But yeah, we recorded an album, I don't know when, I can't remember, four or five years ago it came out anyway. Uh, a duet album of banjo and fiddle, and there's bazooking and guitar backing on it. Um, so yeah. Are you doing all the backing on it? I, I did all the bazooki backing and my friend Marty Barry did the guitar backing Lovely. on it. That's, that's an album like I tell people uh, try and get your hand on the copy but I do believe there's not many physical copies left. W- well we have no physical copies left. We did we did a small run of them at the start when we brought it out and then we did one reprint since and the the second reprint was slower to sell than the the first and i think just physical media is is um not the hottest thing right now and i think i've sold more digital versions of the album anyway so yeah physical um version of it you i don't know where you would find one uh, i think i actually saw a couple in custis the other day there might there might be i did give custis the last ones i found but um, in case we'll put the link to the digital downloads yeah, uh, in the, the yeah. episode description because it's a lovely lovely album um and then you mentioned with that first tune again you got it in a manuscript and it's not the first time uh, tune books came up in this conversation yeah. so you've a project that you've been doing since the start of the year yeah called tune book tuesdays on social media is that it yeah that's it can you tell us a bit more about about it what um yeah so i suppose the during the lockdown i set up a patreon account for various musicy things i was doing uh in terms of like uh, video lessons for bazooki because there's not a lot of that kind of material out there and i would also kind of share whatever i was working on and and it was a way of kind of helping out i would get a lot of messages asking questions about certain things or or stuff you know videos of me playing or things with the band and um my patreon account was kind of a way to like give people access to that kind of thing uh because I, I i would find it hard to reply um to certain questions or put time into it and stuff so at the start of this year i decided that i would every week um on a tuesday i would look at a tune book or a manuscript or collection and i would find a tune in it one that's not which i didn't consider very common or known something i think is good and i would i'd record a video of it um and then for the uh, my patreon subscribers they would have you know sheet music for it uh, bazooki tablature mandolin banjo tablature and more information on it in the case of where it's like a, a publicly available like a public domain historical manuscript i would like put that in the patreon post as well but um originally i wasn't even going to put the videos public i thought uh-huh. it was something i do for patreon but um a lot of people are enjoying just the videos um so i've been putting them out and they're usually only a minute or two long i might play the tune once or i might play it twice 
Um, but yeah, I'm at. I think this was week thirty six. Yeah. Um, so some some weeks, some weeks it's really easy to do. Um, you open a book and it just you know, and some books or publications or manuscripts, uh, have like loads of common stuff in them and maybe not particularly suitable. Um, like for instance, loads of people are asking me when I'm going to do O'Neill's one thousand and one book. Um, so I'm not sure when. Like I might save it till last. Um, but there's again, I I believe there's loads of stuff in that that no one's really heard. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of fun, and I've kind of, uh, there's there's it it appeals to various interests in different ways. I think. Yeah, I I think uh, um the fact that your patron is brilliant, but I think for example for me who plays Concertina, the fact that you post the videos on um, social media like inst- Instagram and Facebook is it Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. YouTube. Um, and there'll be the links to all those in the description. Uh, I just I know that on a Tuesday I'm looking forward to just hearing what tune is going to come up. And some weeks like oh this is class, and you kind of want to learn it. And other weeks like I just don't get this because you've th- that's the thing. The sources are so different. Like yeah, uh, it's not strictly Irish music. Yeah, you can have tunes from yeah. So there's there's a lot of like I a lot of there's been. Irish, Scottish, English, and uh, Canadian sources, I suppose. Maybe some American. Um, but yeah, I think for the most part, they're mostly all tunes that are kind of fit in the under the banner of traditional music. Yes, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, like in the likes of a lot of the Canadian stuff I've got from it, got um, when I've looked at Canadian books, it's been mostly Cape Breton stuff and. That, as I said before there's a kind of parallel there like uh, there's a lot of Cape Breton reels you'll hear in sessions and stuff so there's but it's it's not to it there and they're all rarer thing like I don't think any of the tunes you will hear in a session re- very readily you know there's maybe some of the Irish ones you might hear mm. but they're not none of them are uh, session classics as of yet I I'm still to hear one of your tune book Tuesday tune and be like oh yeah I play this or like I I don't think it happened, um, which is great because we like any kind of project that people do or the tune a day or there's actually um, this lovely flute player who does the O'Neill's thousand yes, one. He I've does all yeah, the tunes. I've seen that. That's really good. That's another project which is great. But th- what I like about yours is like yeah, these are tunes that most people have never heard. And yeah, it's like a way of uh, it's it is a way of passing on. Uh, tradition in another way yeah i think there's loads of stuff out there that involves kind of the common tunes like there's a lot of educational material and resources and because music this music is primarily learned by ear i i don't there's a lot of stuff out there for that kind of thing and i'm kind of interested in what's on the fringes or what mightn't have made it through you know I'm sh- there's just I'm sure there's loads of great tunes that just never caught on because th- the community that played them just dissolved or whatever so um I'm just kind of interested in that kind of thing and that's part of the reason I set up the Patreon was to kind of do a lot of things like that that are I find interesting but yeah you know yeah. I I'm with you. I think it's very interesting and great and the fact the commitment that you're still going after 36 37 weeks oh, yeah. that's that's the hardest thing in that any is, of those yeah. projects. And this podcast is a yeah. terrible example because I did the four, first four episodes like in August and September last year and it took me a year to just get back into it and find the time. Yeah, yeah I went to college in between. That's my excuse. But uh, yeah, congratulations yeah. on the <laughs> yeah. on the commitment well well there's been a few you know wednesday mornings when when it's been <laughs> sorted but yeah nothing 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 more than nine hours late i would say not too bad you can still claim uh, it was uh, like, a different time zone or something yeah that's <laughs> it it's it's tuesday somewhere yeah 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 nice um and actually all these different tunes that are not very common um i, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the band you are in uh Gwicha, which is uh, one of the well as far as i'm concerned one of the best irish bands um that's touring and recording at the moment um just released a new album a few months ago and i suppose the connection with the 
the rare tunes is that when you listen to Guicha, it's usually not to hear tunes that we play in sessions. Yeah. Yeah. So I joined Guicha about five years ago. I can't remember what year exactly at this stage. Obviously, everyone's uh, notion of time has been wrecked by uh, lockdowns. Um, so Guicha is a band that was formed in the University of Limerick. Um, four of the members were in the year above me in college and the original banjo player was in my year he's a good friend of mine james harvey so he um was planning a career change he wanted to become a school teacher so i ended up replacing him in the band around five years ago so yeah so it's always been a gwitcha thing to they don't want to play they just they love playing sessions and having tunes and stuff but on stage they don't want you know a session they want to play music of their own concoction um so there's been a lot of composition on every album so far in which i think we're on album six and um, so i've recorded on album five and six um could you t tell us who is in the band for people who might not know Gwitcha, which probably anyone who knows tunes from dublin <laughs> probably knows Gwitcha. <laughs> uh, maybe not all the band members um, yeah um, so there's Anya McGinney on fiddle and vocals. She's from County Loud, Dundalk originally. There's Tiger Macker on piano and piano accordion. Connell O'Kane on guitar, and Colin Phelan on the baron. Um, so and yourself, myself uh, on banjo and bazooki on the newest album. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. The last album, uh, Rusk, is it? Rusk. Yeah. R Rusk. Um, it's lovely what what does that mean actually it's like a an old irish word for like a, a, a cry or an anthem or a song there's even you'll come across it in like i first heard it i came across it in a ma in a tune book there's a a slow air ross cahan moon which is the battle song of munster so uh -huh. there's there's musical connections to it yeah and i it's great that i have sort of saved the question for the this podcast episode because uh the album is actually a would you say it's a little bit more um i don't know what's actually it's more rusk than <laughs> previous albums like yeah like i think just there's we landed on a vibe <laughs> with yeah. it that's yeah there's just there's a lot of our own compositions on it there's maybe a bit more of a experimental playful sound to the production uh as com comparing it to the last one um uh yeah so yeah i think as you say it does sound like rusk like it it it, it has a certain aesthetic to it yeah kind of the word that springs to my nose is kind of it's not sad or anything it's like contemplative uh, um, yeah, yeah yeah i get yeah and i think part of that is like a lot of the stuff was composed during lockdowns and things like that so there is a bit of a like in in certain cases on it i'm sure there's stuff that was put together where if covid didn't happen or if it was put together during non-covid time the time wouldn't have been there to really work on some yes. of the ideas it really sounds so like so so nice the result is lovely and you've there's a few guests on the album as well it really has such a full sound it's really um kind of comforting sound like yeah. really well produced like congratulations on the album yeah yeah we're very happy with it um what's it like for you between band work and your work as a solo musician or session musician um is it do you need both do you separate them like how do you go about it um so i suppose pre-covid there would be at least two months maybe of the year when i'd be away with the band touring and then when i'm not touring i'd be playing uh pub gigs and pub sessions for work and also teaching so it's i've kind of just always done both for the last five years um obviously touring and things like that is it getting back to it now but it's not back to 100% at least for us we were we were in the USA for a month uh, earlier in the year and we've had a few um, 
gigs since that but there's not been any long scale touring we've actually done the most amount of irish gigs we've ever done as a band this year that, that was great actually there was the there was one in Doolin, really yeah. really enjoyable it's great yeah, uh, like that and it's probably a result of covid and lockdowns that there's been more programming of irish bands in ireland where before it was all about playing abroad so that was yeah, that's good. it yeah like the, we were kind of always just been focused on the tours abroad it, like ireland is a very small country and to tour around it is you know in a short space of time maybe isn't the most um achievable thing um so getting to do i think we had a gig every weekend for a couple of months somewhere in the country yeah, yeah. which is really nice nice for a change yeah, yeah. Uh, any plans for the near future uh, whether with the band or on your own uh, what's what's next um there just we've some gigs in the autumn i think we're in monaghan at some point and uh, i don't i never look too far ahead in the calendar because uh musically always i'm always quite busy so it's kind of week to week but um probably do some recording um either at the end of this year or the start of next year um with colin phelan the baron playing witcher we got a residency in a theater where we got to work on some music that works for both our instruments banjo and bauron so we'll hopefully start making a crack at recording that sounds great apart from that it's just all it's like any full-time musician it's all small bits of work that you're constantly putting together the combination of everything will that's it yeah yeah gigs and yeah uh, no that's great i'm really looking forward to have the opportunity to play a few more tunes with you in the the pubs in Doolin uh over the next few weeks before the season ends um thanks for coming alan thanks for the visit thanks for having me before i let you go will we play a tune together yeah sounds good nice thanks million alan cheers bye bye i hope you enjoyed this episode and thanks again so much to alan reed for coming on the show If you'd like to keep up with Alan and his music, make sure to visit his Patreon page and social media profiles, and you can order his album with his wife Rachel and Gwitch's albums online as well. All the links are in the description. Thank you again so much for listening to the Tunes from Dudin podcast, and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. It would be very helpful if you could tell your friends about the show too, share it on social media, and feel free to visit the Patreon page if you'd like to support. If you'd like to know more about the Tunes from Doolin project, you can check out the website and YouTube channel. You can also email me at tunesfromdoolin at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Thanks again and see you at the next episode.